Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers, alongside John DeShazer. We are happy to have a Bucks insider, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat reporter, John Ledyard with us. He works for the pewterreport.com, writes for them, has been covering the Bucks for a few years now. John, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Obviously, want to get into a lot of this game coming up. Sunday night football is going to be an awesome matchup. Just kind of overview of the Bucks for you this season. How have you seen the team progress? I think the biggest thing has been penalties and self-inflicted mistakes. You know, turnovers, really unlucky turnovers, especially have continued to haunt them a little bit. But if you look at their league rank, they're not a team that's, you know, beladen by turnovers like some of the other teams in the league are. So getting rid of the self-inflicted stuff, they were the most penalized team in the league around, actually around after the last Saints game. I think they had 11 penalties in that game against the Saints. So that's been the biggest thing. I mean, they were shooting themselves in the foot so much. And there's still some of that, but less of it in the form of penalties. So probably the biggest area of growth is that in terms of just the penalties. And then getting healthier in the secondary, getting healthier on defense is going to help eventually. There's still a lot of moving pieces and they're getting guys back to 100%. But that's going to have the biggest, the most dramatic effect as we reach the playoff time. You said that you started working for Peter Report as soon as Tom Brady got there. What has it been like covering him and seeing him kind of assimilate with the Bucks and what they're doing and, and start to lead that team? I think the coolest thing has been seeing the way that other players talk about his impact and his influence. And, you know, in New England, it was just kind of almost taken for granted a little bit by media, at least. They didn't ask as much about it, I think, just because they were so used to it. It was kind of always that way started there. But this is something team already, but not at that position, I think. And that was where, you know, if you looked around their history, that was where if there was something that you point to that we were lacking, it was just any type of consistency, especially in approach of leadership and things like that at the quarterback position. So the fact that Brady's been able to come in there, install, you know, even just regular practices, he gets involved in every aspect of the offense. Beginning of the year, the first couple of games, they did not run the ball well. After that, he said, hey, look, he got with Leonard Fournette with the offensive line. And he said, let's talk about what we can do to run the football better. You know, this is a this is a situation this season where we're going to have to like be better than we were last year and better than we've been early this season at running the football. And so that's been their focus. They got into these meetings every Friday, they're having extra meetings to go over. So everybody in the field knows everybody else's assignment. And, you know, that's something he took charge of. And you can hear players like Leonard Fournette talk about how playing with Brady and becoming friends with Brady and being a locker room with him has helped instill confidence in him again and helped his game elevate his game to a level. It wasn't at before. I mean, Fournette's knowledge of this offense compared to any other system he's been in, in the NFL, is crazy. I mean, just the fact that he can go a whole game without blowing blocks and things like knowing where he's supposed to be in his routes. That wasn't even true when he got here last year. And just the attention to detail that everybody has that they didn't formerly have, I think is a big credit to, to Brady's influence on the team. Before not somebody that everybody in the New Orleans area, Louisiana has followed his career and definitely somebody we watch on Sundays in the receiving game. Everybody always talks about Mike Evans, but it does seem like Godwin stepped up in a lot of ways this year and it seems like he's the number one guy. How have you kind of seen the receivers this year and kind of how often Brady looks to each one? I think the biggest thing is knowing where to be on the field and knowing when to look for the ball. Last year, Brady wanted to play at a pace as a thrower of the football that the other guys weren't necessarily ready for. Like playing with Jameis for a long time, 
they had gotten used to somebody who held the ball, who made uh, took a longer time to make decisions, who threw the ball down the field. I mean, Brady threw it down the field a ton. I think he was he led the league in deep ball attempts last year, but it wasn't still at the rate that, that Jameis once did, you know, just in terms of ripping that thing all the time. So there was a lot more. You have to be ready now. The blitz comes. I'm getting the ball out hot. You have to be able to adjust your route, be able to get your head around and be ready right now. And that was something that just, I mean, it led to so many mistakes for them during that losing stretch in the middle of the season and early in the season, even though they were winning. You know, it was just, there was too many mistakes in that way. Not enough players knowing what the quarterback expected in different situations, especially uh, when it came to pressure. You know, pressure just bothered them like crazy, despite having a great offensive line for a while, because they didn't have the responses to it within the passing concepts that they were using. Once they established those, which started to happen coming out of the bye week, that week 15 game against Atlanta, you started to see some level of change in terms of the comfortability, but it really hasn't been in this till this year. I mean, this is an offense that relies on so many option routes. The receivers have to be talented, but also very smart to play in this offense. You know, if you're not, you're going to constantly be on the wrong page with the quarterback and it's going to lead to turnovers and mistakes and incompletions. So that is still something you'll see creep up at times. You know, I think it's only something that comes with, with consistency and playing together, but it's so much better than it was a year ago in terms of receivers knowing where they should be in certain situations, certain routes against certain coverages, how to adjust their route, how to find space. And because Brady is just so automatic with knowing those things, it was so important in the offseason to get everybody else on his level in terms of the mental part of it. And I think now that that's happened, their offense is able to be way more efficient and consistent. John, these last two regular seasons, no team has played Tampa Bay better than the Saints, I would imagine. Um, even though they won the big one, the one that counted the most, the Saints otherwise have been the team that has given them the most trouble. What's been this the ingredients there? What's been the secret to that? I think the Saints present – there's a couple things, honestly, John, but one of the biggest things is the Saints' ability to present a totally different – package from a pressure perspective especially when all their guys are healthy up front there are just not many teams in the league that have body types like Marcus Davenport playing and be able to play inside for some snaps and guys that can move around and be four or five deep at edge rusher you know the the Bucks have a ton of success as a pass production group but part of it is because most teams can only challenge you with one or two guys the Saints have the unique ability to challenge you with four across the board especially when Onyemata's when he came back for the last game he's always been a problem when they lost 38 to 3 in the regular season a year ago uh, to the Saints and were pretty much embarrassed in that game Onyemata was a huge reason why just terrorized Joe Haig, who was in there as a backup with Ali Marpet out for that game. So that has been one of the key things is that there's just tough matchups across the board for the offensive line. Davenport with Jordan, with even Granderson has presented them problems. When Hendrickson was there, he presented them problems. So there is just kind of so many guys you know, that, that the Saints can throw at you in waves. Then on top of that, they're not a blitz-heavy team, but they're on league average in terms of the blitz percentages they come with. You talk about a guy like Demario Davis, who's – I mean, he's probably, I would say, if you ask Tom Brady, the most challenging players he has to go up against right now, I think he put Davis at the top of the list because Davis is not this, you know, wonderful, you know, elite athlete, even like a Quan Alexander, but he's a very good athlete still. And the guy's processing is just off the charts. I mean, the things he does in coverage, the plays he takes away, the routes he takes away that nobody will ever even notice. Um, I think that they're so, so noteworthy for the Saints and Brady knows it. And so going into the game, that's like the number one matchup I look at is those two against each other and the chess matches that they play because there really isn't a weakness in Davis's game and there really isn't a weakness in Brady's game. So watching them go head to head 
is pretty brilliant in my mind. And the other thing is the Saints, you know, again, it's about depth. It's always about depth if you're going to challenge the Bucs defensively. Their ability to, to put six DBs on the field, still defend the run because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's good at it. Uh, I think that's a huge part of the success. Malcolm Jenkins, those guys, those two, especially like the, because of their versatility, they can be basically like linebackers on the field or they can match up with tight ends and big wide receivers in the slot like a Godwin or a Gronkowski. So just the versatility of their defense, the fact that they're so deep at, on the front end and the back end makes them a challenging matchup for everything that the Bucs like to do. Speaking of matchups, Alvin Kamara, Devin White, those two <laughs> seem to hook up uh, every time these teams match up. What's what's the great thing about Devin White? Because there are very few linebackers who can handle Alvin Kamara, but mm-hmm. he's be one of the few who has success against him. Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, Devin White has played some of his well, he's played one of his worst games against the Saints in that thirty-eight to three game, and then, but that was everybody maybe in that game. And then in the other games against the Saints, he's actually probably played some of his best career games in a lot of ways. Now he had the penalties in the last game against the Saints. That was kind of that was killer. Obviously, three personal fouls. Um, but I think in general, like he's he's he thrives in that matchup. Like he loves the, uh, the challenge of, of the one-on-one with he and Kamara at times. And obviously Levante David's a big part of that too. You know, white has had kind of such a mixed bag season. He's going to make it to the pro bowl probably as the heaviest voted linebacker for, you know, most fans love him. And you know, he's obviously very popular um, in Tampa Bay. There is much more, not, not amongst the coaching staff, just amongst media and people who watch tape and things like that. It's more like, man, this guy leaves so many plays on the field every game. So it is really a mixed bag, depending on who you talk to. Um, there are certainly plays where he looks like the best player on the field. And there's a lot of plays where he you know looks pretty lost. And so there, it is really about wondering every game, there's kind of this running joke of what version of Devin White are we going to get this week and are we going to get enough splash plays to offset the negatives that we know will be there too and against Kamara yeah he's usually delivered that I think the ability for him to be able to match that kind of athleticism in space is obviously a key but we've seen coverage plays against the Saints that we just have not seen him make in other games so some of it is just him elevating for this matchup I think it really gets him psyched up. John the Saints need to run the ball Tampa Bay stops the run as well as anyone Mm -hmm. some openings maybe for for Saints quarterback Taysom Hill now you know the Saints kind of threw it heavy in the first game this season even though Trevor Simeon came off the bench after injury he threw it 29 times in less than three quarters so the Saints seem to know they're going to have to throw it some and I think Sean Payton said this morning they're gonna have to have a, a good throwing game does that leave a little something for maybe Taysom Hill if he's accurate to be able to be successful yeah, and it's kind of a good matchup for the Saints in one way. I mean, the Saints haven't made a lot of plays down the field, a lot of explosives in the passing game this year, but that's okay. The Bucs aren't allowing those anyway, but they're allowing teams to complete a very high percentage underneath short. You know, they're, I think they have one of the lowest uh, defensive average depth of targets in the NFL, one of the lowest yards per attempt in the NFL for a defense. But t- quarterbacks generally complete a pretty high percentage against the Bucs, and they can keep the ball moving against them a little bit too. So in some ways, it's, it's kind of a good matchup for Taysom because – They've let a lot of quarterbacks who maybe aren't great throwers of the football down the field um, hang around against them because their quarter, those quarterbacks can be so efficient with the easy stuff underneath. The other aspect that makes Taysom, I think, you know, obviously the most important player for the Saints in this game is ability to make plays with his legs. Not only on design runs, Josh Allen ran for over 100 yards against the Bucs last week, but 
some of those were scrambles too. So like those situations, Taysom Mills got to be great in those situations too. Everybody knows to hold on to the football. The, the Bucks know that they're going to design packages to come after him, to make him uncomfortable, to get him to drop his eyes and try to be a hero. And if he can do that on a few occasions, which he's obviously athletic and strong enough to do, then he could make some plays out of structure. The Bucks have missed. They're up there in league sacks pretty close to the top of the league, I think, in sacks this season, tied for six with 35 sacks. But they've probably left another 15 on the field just because they can't tackle. They're the worst tackling team in the NFL, which is another thing that bodes well for the Saints. They've missed more tackles than any other team. So if Taysom can force a few of those misses and make some plays with his legs, it, it could be enough to, to change the game if the Saints defense is playing great. Okay, now speaking of making plays with your legs, what's going on with this Tom slash Mike Vick Brady? What, what's up with it? We've seen him take off a little bit lately. And I think Bruce Arians pretty much said, you know, okay, enough of that stuff. But um, what's going on with that? Yeah, I think with Bruce, it's kind of like he doesn't want to see Tom Brady take shots. You know, the first run he had against the Bills, it's like, all right, 12 yards. You got down, you slid. It was man coverage. There's nobody in front of you. You took off. Good decision. You protected yourself. Fine. But then there's a third and two and he takes off and he, you know, jukes out a defensive end in the open field and then takes on a safety or something at reach for the first down. That's the kind of stuff where he's like, all right, you know, knock that off. But Brady really, it's kind of funny because we all joke about it. And in the media, we joke about it all the time, you know, and the team jokes about, you know, Brady's even funny about it as press conferences. But I've been told by a lot of people by the scenes that Brady like hates the fact that people think he's like the one of the worst athletes ever to play quarterback. Like, he knows he's not one of the best, but he he thinks he's better than like the bottom tier, which is how he's associated. And he wants so any chance he has to prove that he he looks for it and he relishes. I mean, you can see he gets more excited about that than any great pass that he has. So it's an energy thing for him and for the team to a degree. But I do think you know him. Part of him takes it personal for sure. Oh, speaking of energy, I can't believe that. Our John didn't ask about this yet, but he loves the matchup with Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. <laughs> what have you seen from them over the years and why do they just really like each other so much? Oh man, this is probably one of the most fun matchups that we have in the NFL today. You know, there were, for a while it looked like Odell Beckham, Josh Norman would be, and then both of them kind of fell off, especially Norman uh, for a while, but it's probably one of the most intriguing. I mean, there's a lot of history there, obviously there's personal fouls in the history. There's just a lot going back with those two players. Um, and I, I love it as well. I think it's one of those things you look forward to every time these teams play. And I wish there were more of that in today's NFL, to be honest, because it adds such a level of intrigue to it. You know, Lattimore has consistently kind of gotten the better of Evans for most of the matchups between the two. Um, and then this past, you know, when they played in week eight or nine or whatever it was that, you know, that was the first time I felt like Evans actually, like if you watch the tape, Evans had, I think, 50-some yards and a touchdown, obviously, over Lattimore. But uh, I think if you watch the tape of it, it was like, okay, Lattimore sh struggling out here against Evans. Like there were a number of times he was open. Um, maybe he wasn't first in the progression or maybe Brady missed him or didn't throw to him. There was a deep ball down the right sideline where – you know, Evans thought Lattimore grabbed him a little bit. Arians thought Lattimore grabbed him a little bit and, and threw off the timing enough to make it incomplete. Bucks end up putting on that one. So there were a lot of those types of, oh, man, this could have easily been a 120, 130-yard game. And you don't see that often from Lattimore. I know this has – I've seen enough tape of the Saints to know that this hasn't been his best season per se. But when that matchup comes around, I think you can almost throw all that out, especially because he knows he didn't play his best game last time that the two went against each other. I think you're absolutely going to see him – give everything he has to this matchup and, and obviously Evans will as well. So it'll be a ton of fun. And I'm really curious to see if the Bucks attack it more than they have in the past. Well, now I got to interrupt Aaron for a second. They hate you. <laughs> <laughs> 
And really, this goes back to Marshawn's rookie year. And Jameis is the guy who this because Jameis was on the sideline. He had been pulled from the game. He and Marshawn had a little back and forth verbally. And Mike Evans went up to protect his quarterback and blindsided Marshawn. Since then, they have really just hated each other. I don't know how Mike feels, but I know Marshawn cannot stand Mike Evans. And so that's that's yeah. where it, it's hilarious too, in a lot of ways, because I don't think Evans would ever say that because he's probably about the least. I would say that of all the players on the Bucks team, he might be the least one that's likely to give an incendiary quote or anything like that. He's just very relaxed, dude, chill, dude. You know, he probably is aware of how Lattimore feels. I, I don't know if he would be able to carry any type of animosity just because of who he is as a person, but it is hilarious to me that somebody out there dislikes Mike Evans and he gave him good reason to, to be sure, because that was a cheap shot. But in general, Evans is probably one of the most liked players in the league. So it is pretty funny. Yeah, that'll be a fun matchup to watch for sure. Anybody that Saints fans should be looking out for any X factors, people we haven't mentioned. Well, I think when, when you're talking about the Bucs, there's always somebody like Brady will throw the ball to anybody in any situation. People always talk about, oh, I don't think Brady trusts him. I don't think Brady likes him or it just doesn't have anything to do with it. If you're out there and the concept gets you open and you're open, he'll throw it to you. Like it doesn't matter who you are. We saw that all playoff long last year with Cam Brate. Like he's just going to throw to whoever's open. And so, I mean, yeah, if you're talking X factors, Prashad Perryman for the Bucks has got to be that guy. You know, no catches at all at one target until the overtime period against the Bills. And then he catches a 58 yarder uh, walk off uh, game winning touchdown. And so, you know, he's not going to be like a heavy focus of their offense, obviously. You know, it's going to be Gronk, it's going to be Godwin, it's going to be Evans. Those guys will get the volume of the targets and Fournette as well. But the thing about a guy like Perryman is, and the thing about whoever the wide receiver three is for the box on any given week, is that because they're isolated so much in coverage and because there's so much more attention on Evans and Godwin and a lot of the routes that they run, that number three guy is kind of going to be an option at some point in the game. And it only takes one play. You saw last time against the Saints, Sir Cyril Grayson, who made kind of the game-changing play, that touchdown, and obviously they, they couldn't hold the lead. Uh, but, you know, that was – he was a no-name player. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of – you know, Perryman's been – did, couldn't cut it on the Jets, got cut by the Lions and couldn't get off the practice squad for the Bears. He comes to the Bucks, and Arians loves him and he thinks he fits in their system really well. So he's getting wide receiver three opportunities. So, yeah, I think Perryman's probably the guy just because with that speed, you know, he may make 15 mistakes in a game, but with that speed, one play can, could change the game like it did against the Bills. John, I know you said you joined the, um, the, the Pewter Report last year right before Brady got there, but what's the dynamic of, of watching Tampa Bay critique on the way they win? Because for a time there was, you know, it wasn't a, a winning organization. Let's you know, be frank. But now it's being critiqued on the way they win. What's that been dynamic been like uh, to, to see and to, to witness and you know, how to handle it? Yeah, I'm a part of that too. I would say just in terms of critiquing the way teams win and the way they lose too, you know, for example, for Buffalo, you know, they've lost, five of their six games in the final like seconds basically of the game and a lot of there's a lot of numbers and statistics analytics that show us that those games could really go either way most of the time and the bills are 0-5 in those situations so just a sign that maybe that could be a much more dangerous team come playoff time if they get a little bit of luck or a call you know here or there that goes the other way and so I think there's some of that and looking at some of the ways that you know this point in the season you're 10-3 and you're the Bucks. 
it's like, okay. But for a while it was, they just haven't played very many good offenses. They played plenty of good defenses. I know their offense can put up points. Uh, I don't have any question about that. Obviously there's, there's moments in the game where for a while I mentioned the penalties and turnovers and certain games hurt them overall though. I don't see any, like they can run the football better than they did last year, all of those kind of things. So if you're looking at the process in terms of how they win, I feel pretty good about things offensively. Everybody can have an off game and can have a couple bad bounces. No question. They're not like, you know, some indestructible juggernaut, but I think they can get points on that side. Defensively is where, you know, you look at the process and you say, okay, they, they beat the Eagles, but man, they allowed Jalen Hurts an offense that can't, they, at that time, especially was really struggling to throw the ball in that game. We're really struggling to throw the ball. Uh, they let them come back in that game. You know, they let Jacoby Brissett light them up for three quarters. Um, you know, in, in Brissett's probably an underrated player, but, that Miami team was in no, that should not have been a competitive game going into the fourth quarter. And so there's been games like that, you know, where it's been like, okay, what, you know, Taylor Heineke lights you up and you're like, okay, all right. Like, well, is this defense good enough to win a Super Bowl? Like I know they're okay, but last year they played out of their minds. They were bad. They were struggling most of the regular season. They played out of their minds and changed everything schematically about their structure for those last three wins in the playoffs. So that's the part of the, the ball, I think, right now where you're looking at the Bucs and you're saying, okay, if you're critiquing wins and losses and you're critiquing some of their wins and looking at them you know, critically, you're saying, can they do this against great quarterbacks? And for a half against Josh Allen, it looked like they'd answered the question, but then the second half they got just absolutely lit up. And so that still is going to be the question moving forward. They've only played a couple good quarterbacks all season. You know, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, and, and probably Josh Allen are easily highlight that list. And all three of those guys put up pretty great numbers against them, even if they gave Allen some fits for, for a half. So that'll be the big question, you know, obviously as we get closer to the playoffs, can they do that when you get into the playoffs and it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Matt Stafford, it's Kyler Murray, it's Dak again, you know, all those guys that are going to be, you're going to be up against. I'm just not sure how this defense holds up on that kind of competition yet. Yeah. I mean, is it kind of Super Bowl or bust? Is that what the Bucs are oh, after yeah. this year? Oh yeah. I mean, no question. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can say, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean there'll be this colossal failure if they lose in the NFC championship game. But I mean, it's hard to look at their roster and say, if they're healthy, this isn't the most talented team in the league. And they've lost, they've lost players to injuries all season, but nothing long-term. So they should be right now, knock on wood. They look you know, like they're going to be fully healthy for the playoffs or close to it. And so, yeah, if you're talking about a fully healthy Bucks team, you know, good as the NFC is this year, and there's four other teams that are obviously really good too, they should win the Super Bowl. You know, will they? There's a lot of things that go into that. You know, you need a little luck to get to the Super Bowl too, and we'll see if they get it. But no question, they feel like it's Super Bowl or bust, yeah. Yeah, awesome stuff today, John. I appreciate it. Uh, let us know like where we can find you and follow you online. Absolutely, for sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft. And you can follow my work on Bucks and Saints and just the Bucks in general. And then the draft when that comes around over at pewterreport.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, you know, it is the last day before Pro Bowl voting ends. So make sure everybody gets their votes in. I guess you can vote for some Bucks players if you want, but it's hashtag Pro Bowl vote on Twitter. I don't think they'll Full do that. name, <laughs> first and last name, and then at Saints, the handle on Twitter, or you can head to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. John, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us today. Hope for a good game on Sunday. John DeShazer, thank you. And thank you so much to everyone who listened to the podcast today. Of course, you can always find it on NewOrleansSaints.com Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or you can tune in on Apple iTunes. Make sure you subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode with us. We appreciate all of the listeners and go Saints.